A lot of people hear something that's too good to be true and fall for it. Like a phone call from your sister in prison states away, or a doctor giving out free house calls. After all, it could sound just as convincing as some of those scams. But what happens when this free house call takes a turn for the worse? And instead of just checking blood pressure, this doctor also begins administering drugs to you. Today, we talk about the doctor that gave out free house calls. But instead of saving lives, he was ending them. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and I wanted to apologize about Friday's upload. I know we've never really missed an upload, um, but I just had so much going on last week, and I had just gotten done dealing with some of the stuff that Friday, and I hadn't gotten a chance to recording, and I sat down to record, and it just seemed like nothing was working out in my favor, and I decided it would be best to just take a break, just a one-day break, so... But I still wanted to be here on Sunday for you guys and get this posted. So here we are. And once again, I'm sorry for not getting Friday's upload up. It just didn't really work out last week. And I'm hoping to get this next Friday's up. So anyways, let's go ahead and jump into the case. This is the case of Maxim Petrov. I really hope that I'm saying that right. I looked up how to pronounce that. And I'm, I mean, obviously I'm not from Russia. I can't. I, I think I'm pronouncing that wrong, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Maxim was born on November 14th, 1965 in Russia, and I really couldn't find much about his childhood. I could find the crimes that he did commit, but I couldn't find, you know, how he was as a kid or anything like that. Really, the only background I have about him is that he was married twice. His first marriage would end in a divorce, this divorce would happen after the two of them would have already had a child together. And then he would go on to marry his second wife, and he would have two more children with her. This would make him a father of three in total. And then I did see a little background on, you know, his employment history. He was employed as an emergency doctor in a local clinic that was located in Russia for a while. But you guys, that's all the backstory I have of Maxim. And that could obviously be because I am, you know, nowhere near Russia. I don't have really the access that they do over there. And I don't have a VPN quite yet. So I can't really access those media posts or anything like that. So today we're just going to kind of jump right into, you know, the road of crime that Maxim would be involved in. And this would begin in 1997. He started off by just robbing his patients. He started to begin targeting people from a local health center. This is when he would decide to drop by and visit them unannounced early in the mornings when they were alone and their families most of the time were at work. He would start this checkout, you know, introducing himself, letting them know that he was there to just do a quick wellness check on them. He also would check their blood pressure, of course, because this was a simple procedure to do and this is when he would inform the patient that they had blood pressure problems 
and that they really needed an injection to help them with that and to help them manage that before it became a problem. When the patients would agree, he would follow this with giving them an injection, which was usually only a local anesthetic. And obviously he would just kind of hang out until they passed out. Then he would rob them, take whatever he wanted from them, whatever he liked or was of value. He would even go so far as to take the valuables off of people's bodies. This included things like rings and jewelry. And then he would just head out. If somebody happened to be there when he showed up to do his wellness check, it wasn't like he walked in there and turned around and just left and didn't say anything. He still did the same thing. He went in there and said, hey, you know, I'm just dropping in to do a check, whatever. And he would do his check. This is when he would inform the patients that they were healthy and he would just head out. Now, it wasn't like Maxim was pretending to be a doctor. He was a doctor. He was just a doctor that enjoyed robbing his patients. But if you think about it, they weren't even really his patients. He literally was just dropping in to give them a quote-unquote wellness check. Now, he did this for a while. Went to the local clinic, dropped in, gave these wellness checks, and robbed them. At least the people who were there alone. The night that he would officially begin to murder his patients was when he began robbing his 30th patient on February 2nd, 1999. This patient was also one of those house calls that I talked about in the opening. He began to do house calls on people and not just go to this clinic. He still here and there did the clinic that he would drop in, but that was a little harder because he had to make sure nobody was there, nobody would walk in, you know, no nurses were around, anything like that. So he did start doing some house calls at this point, where he would come by most of the time to elderly people and say, hey, I'm doing free house calls, let me check your blood pressure, let's make sure you're okay. And if they were alone, it was just like he did at the clinic. Everything was going as normal. He came to this home, knocked, and an elderly person answered the door. He let them know who he was, that he was a doctor, and he was just doing house visits to make sure everybody was okay. And he asked if he could come in. The elderly allowed him into the home, and this is when he checked the blood pressure. And he informed them that the blood pressure, you know, was not in a good area. I'm not sure if he told them that it was high or low. Either way, he did say that the blood pressure of this patient now was having issues and that he needed an injection to keep it under control. The patient agreed because obviously that's scary. You're an elderly already who probably already has problems with your blood pressure. And now this doctor is telling you, hey, you're in not a great place. Let me help you. So the elderly patient allowed this doctor, Maxim, to give him the injection. Of course, Maxim injected him with the same thing he usually used, just an anesthetic, and this elderly person fell asleep. Maxim would begin to search through the home and pocket any valuables that he could find, and anything that he liked. And that is where things would go wrong. Because the patient's daughter would show up at the home and catch Maxim in the process of robbing her father. Now, out of fear or panic or just adrenaline, 
Maxim would grab a screwdriver and he would stab her to death. This is when it sort of started to settle with him, what had happened, and that this elderly patient was going to wake up and find his daughter stabbed to death from a screwdriver. And the last person that was there was Maxim, who had said kind of who he was, that he was a doctor. And in a panic, he decided that he was going to wrap a stocking around the unconscious elderly gentleman's throat and strangle him to death. And then he would leave. He started thinking about it. And this would be a tipping point for Maxim. Because now his robberies would change to robberies and murders. Because it was so much easier to get away with it if they didn't wake up and couldn't testify as to who you were or what you looked like. So for the rest of his robberies, instead of injecting them with the local anesthetic that he always used to use that would just knock them out, he proceeded to inject them with a mixture of random drugs, making a lethal injection. And because he was a doctor, he knew that, and he was doing it on purpose. But then it dawned on him that the authorities were going to obviously investigate these people that were dying, and they were going to send them off. And the morgue would most likely do a toxicology report. They would know about the mixture of drugs that were in their system, and it would alert the authorities that Maxim was a doctor, because how else would they have had, you know, availability to these drugs? How would they have known that these drugs would kill somebody? So he had to add one more step onto his plan. And he decided that setting the homes on fire in an attempt to destroy the evidence was the best plan to get rid of anything left behind. Obviously though, that called the police to the scenes very quick. And they started to get an M.O. They actually had a police sketch of the man that they believed was responsible, of Maxim. But he was killing so fast that they couldn't catch him. He had an M.O. figured out. They knew exactly who he was every time he killed. They could easily pin other murders onto him. But he was killing so fast. It wasn't like he was killing one every, like, month. It was, like, probably one a week. He was killing fast. And I don't actually know how true that is. I just know that it is said how fast he was killing. It never actually told me, you know, how often he was actually killing. So they knew that a man was going out there and making... I guess they didn't know it was house calls. But they knew somebody was going out there, visiting these people alone murdering them, robbing them, and then setting their homes on fire. They just had to find him now. What finally tipped them off was when one of the authorities realized that all of the people that were being murdered were all from the same list. A list of patients who had undergone the same lung procedure. This list they found at the local health center. 
It dawned on them. It had to be a doctor. It was a doctor. They then looked at this list and used the same list to identify almost 72 more possible targeted patients. Using this data, they decided to put watch on all of these people's homes. 24-7, all 72 homes were being watched. And that is when one of the authorities witnessed Maxim Petrov making a random house call. And they knew. Maxim was arrested on January 17th, 2000. During his original arrest, he came completely clean to the authorities about the murders and the robbing and the fires. They then sent authorities to search his flat. And this is where they would discover almost all of the valuables that were stolen from patients. Obviously, they had some proof because they had some patients who were alive still and who just luckily got the local anesthetic and woke up and could tell them what they were missing. Others recognized their loved ones' things and they knew it was their moms or their dads. So this was just even more proof. But of course, a lot of what he had already stolen was already pawned off and he had already made money off of this. Maxim had committed 47 robberies before he was arrested and he was suspected of murdering at least 19 people. But of course, he had been robbing people for so long that those numbers could be completely wrong. He could have robbed so many more people. Granted, he was murdering people, you know, fairly more recent, but you never know. It's kind of their word we have to go off of. Sometimes we can get a good number, but a lot of the times we don't actually know. They brought Maxim to the police station, sat him down, and asked him to make his confession official. Write it down and sign it. But Maxim had been thinking on his way to the police station. And he decided to recant it. He blamed the confession on the pressure that the authorities were putting it on him and that they were trying to get him to confess and that he never robbed anybody or murdered anybody and everything in his flat was his. And he informed them that he wasn't guilty. So they had to take him to trial. They only tried him for 17 murders, even though they believed wholeheartedly that he was responsible for much closer to 19, if not more, before he was arrested. Five of the patients that Maxim attempted to murder had survived, and they visited his trial to speak about the things that he did. They told their stories about how he came in for a house call and they let him in, and then he injected them, and then waking up and the house being on fire. Even though Maxim insisted over and over again that he was not guilty and that everybody was making up stories and that the authorities were trying to blame him and they were just trying to close the case, the jury found Maxim guilty of 12 of the murders. On top of the 12 murders, they gave him an additional six attempted murders, 
where the patients were seriously injured. Maxim was sentenced to life in prison in 2002. Let's briefly talk about some of the accounts from the patients that had survived and testified against Maxim in court. One of them is quoted in saying, I remember a call at my flat at about 2 p.m. The young man presented himself as a doctor from the local clinic. The doctor took my blood pressure, which appeared to be high, and offered an injection. He spent a lot of time trying to find the vein, and I thought, how can a doctor have such a thing? When I awoke, there was fire around me. I cried for help on my balcony. The fire service came, but the flat was badly burned. Later, after she had been removed from the house and away from the fire and had started to get, you know, medical attention, it dawned on her that her gold earrings and wedding ring that she was wearing were gone. There was a couple more things that were on her person that were missing. Somehow, she managed to survive not only the lethal injection from Maxim, but the fire as well. And she could testify against him. Another woman claims that she is only alive today because her husband had come home from work early. She was injected with this lethal substance by Maxim, and she had fallen asleep. When she woke up, she discovered that her gas stove had been turned all the way on and every single one of her windows were shut tight, trapping the gas inside. Due to all of the gas that she had already inhaled and the injection, she couldn't move. But because her husband had returned home early, he was able to enter the home and find her where he would drag her from the flat to safety so that the gas, and if a fire were to have broken out, wouldn't have hurt her. Otherwise, she probably would not be here to share her story today and to testify against Maxim. Now, because the husband got home and saved the elderly woman's life, they were also able to save the home and prevent it from catching on fire. Once everything was said and done and they were safe to enter their home, they decided to do a survey on the home. This is where they would discover that they were missing a set of silver forks. There was some money that was missing, and strangely enough, their coffee was also missing. So this is when it became clear, at least to the authorities, that Maxim was not necessarily only taking valuables. A couple of the other people that survived tell said that he also liked to steal their tea and other things like that from people's homes, so he was really just taking whatever he wanted to take. It's clear that Maxim didn't start to rob people because he wanted to murder them. I do think that he did feel like it was an easy thing to target the elderly or the weaker people. And that, because he was a doctor, it was easy to inject them with medication to make them fall asleep and rob them. Because they're elderly, they might not know. They might have forgot that they didn't buy coffee or, you know what I mean? This medication was leaving them dazed and confused when they woke up. And Maxim probably just didn't think it was an issue. But I definitely think the panic 
of being caught when the older gentleman's daughter came home was the tipping point. That was the point that put him over the edge. Because killing both of them and then setting the home on fire made it so much easier. Nobody could walk away and say who did it. He never risked the authorities finding out about him or what he looked like. And I don't think that he thought about how this would give him a target over his head. Because at that point, the authorities were alerted that people were dying. Not just being robbed, not just passing out and losing their coffee. People were dying. I do think that it is strange how he was stealing more than just valuables, though. Coffee and tea are strange things for me, you know, to think about somebody stealing. But I also do agree that it is a little weird that you would notice when people were taking that. But I guess if you drank coffee every day, like, it makes sense. And I know that people who start to steal and have stole for a long time will just steal random things. But it seemed like Maxim was stealing at the beginning to steal valuables, not necessarily just because he could. However, even if he was only stealing valuables, or only stealing things like coffee, it does not excuse the actions of killing people and lighting their homes on fire. I did want to mention that thought that Maxim put in the court's heads. Do you think he was set up? Or do you think he was the one responsible? Because what if he was just a doctor that was just performing house calls, caring for his older patients, and someone used him as a cover-up? Or could the police have twisted the story to make Maxim look guilty? Or do you think he's a killer? Like everybody else thinks. Could he be telling the truth? That somebody framed him? And that he was innocent? Or do you think he lives up to his nickname? Do you think he actually is Dr. Killer? There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.